Welcome to the Raise the Roof, Remove the Walls podcast. Andy and Joe here with you. Hey, guys. And uh, it is Parable Week here on the podcast. <laughs> um, we're in the rotation. And this week we're looking at the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector Tax collector uh, from Luke 18. Uh, so let me read just a few verses here. So I'll go ahead and read this so we know where we're at. Uh, Luke 18, starting at verse 9 says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. I love when he just tells us why he's telling it. Um, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, Democrats, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give them a tenth Whoa. of all I get. Oh, Whoa. sorry. I, I edited for the reader. Um <laughs> But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So I think you should have put Democrats and Republicans. In the I, I should have. I, I just, well, I was aiming for the audience more. And that. that <laughs> Love well, that's guys. why I say we should have put Republicans in, because I think there are more Republicans who listen to this than Democrats, to be actually honest with you. But, uh, you know, I mean, some of Jesus's parables are, are told for everybody. You know, I, I think of the soils. Yeah. I mean, he touches. Yeah. But this this is one of those parables where he goes, no, 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 no. I want to target this to this group of people because they think they are hotter than snot. They think they are above everything else. You know, I love it. Who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And, you know, when I read that, I thought, can you trust in yourself for your own righteousness and not treat others with contempt? I don't think you can. Because I think if you think you are, you have this self-righteous attitude that says, I got it together. What's wrong with you people? Um, I, I don't I don't I don't think that that you can help but look down and you may not express it like this guy did. Um, but I, I think you have that attitude toward other people and they're going to catch on. And to me, that's one of the issues in, in, in Christianity today, at least in America. I, I I actually did not perceive it when I talked to people who are believers in other countries. No, but we have a pretty snotty attitude in the American church toward people who are not believers. And and I don't see that first in Jesus, which is our model. I don't see it in the early church, you know? And, and it bothers me that we've reached this point where we have adopted some of the tactics of the world, because the world, when it doesn't like what you believe or who you are or how you live, you get attacked. You're, you're demonized, you're, you're a horrible person, you're evil, there's no good in you. And I, I think that the, the, the we as a church have kind of adopted a little bit of that when people who di- that we disagree with, and, and I'm not saying they're, they're good people or they're living godly lives or they're righteous. No, they aren't. But when you look at who Jesus reached out to and how he viewed some of these people who have that self-righteous attitude, I think it should move us as the body of Christ to be more Jesus-like in how we approach people outside of the faith who don't agree with our faith and don't even like us for that matter. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think it's important, like you pointed out, like 
as soon as we become confident in our own righteousness, this is where the problem starts up because mm-hmm. if, if, oh, absolutely. if I can achieve my own righteousness, then those other people should be able to. So if I clearly yeah. see them not living that, then they're the problem. Then then, then yeah. they have to do something and they're supposed to be the solution because right. I've made myself the solution, which is a total lie. It's fabrication right. uh, that I've given myself to, to puff myself up and to feel better or whatever. You know, I, I've missed the fact that I need Jesus, you know, that, that right. I'm completely dependent upon him, that I didn't do any of this myself, that I'm not capable of doing this myself. It's it's the completely wrong attitude to have. Like we're, we're told to be humble. We're told to remember what it is that Jesus has done for us, not take it for granted, not act like we did this ourselves. You know, right. that's that is that's a dangerous attitude. And I definitely see that, you know, we. We have combined this idea, this American idea of pulling ourselves up from our own bootstraps, and we've added it to our faith, um, yeah. which is well, terrible. And, and, and I mean, we, we, we at times almost nationalize our faith because we add to it faith in Jesus plus all these other things that are more nationalistic than they are biblical. And that really bothers me because, you know, yesterday uh, we had a, a, a missionary a guy I knew as a pastor, actually, but he had gone to the mission field, he and his wife. And um, they were in our church speaking yesterday. And one of the things he reminded our church of yesterday, which I thought was awesome, was that we are not, we don't come into this world good. We don't come into this world righteous. We don't come into this world seeking God. I mean, uh, I'm leading a Bible study on, on Romans. We did Romans 3 last week. If you get past Romans 3, 10 through 12, and you don't feel like you are scum of the earth before you come to Jesus, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, Abraham. Abraham believed God, and it was counting him as righteousness. And Paul asks in, in Romans 4, hey, does 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 Abraham anything have anything to boast about? He goes, no, no, he can't boast about anything because his salvation is the same as ours. It's about placing our faith in Jesus. And, and like you said, Jesus is it. And, and then when you come to the prayer of the Pharisee, I love it. I love it because, first of all, he's not praying to God. He's bragging about himself. You know, there's nothing he asks of God here. He just tells God how great he is. But I love the people that he chooses to compare himself to. Extortionist, people who are unjust, adulterers, and this this tax collector. Can you get any lower standard than who you're going to compare yourself to? You know, well, gee, you know, God, I'm better than this mass murderer who they just put in prison. Yeah, probably so morally. But notice all of these are moral issues. There, there's nothing spiritual here. He doesn't spiritual, he doesn't get anything spiritual until he says, he starts bragging about himself. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I get. And these are all religious activities. They have nothing to do with a intimate personal relationship with God. So you see in this guy's prayer, he's arrogant, he's prideful. We've already said he's self-righteous and he's judgmental. You know, um, and then we come to the tax collector. And I love this. He just it says he stands far off. Now, I, I I think it's physically talking. He stands far off from where the Pharisee is. But I think also that's how he saw himself far off from God. And so his request is very simple. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Um, you know, I think one of the greatest prayers we can pray is God be again. Help. Um, and, and this is basically what this guy is. So he comes humble, 
honest and repentant, you know, not even looking up to God. It says he beats his breast. I mean, I got a feeling that this guy's his 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 body position was so humbled before God, whereas the Pharisees' body position was very proud before God. Yeah, one one of the <clears throat> you know when you're a youth pastor, you you occasionally um, your kids come up with things, right? That that not everyone <laughs> in the church always oh yeah understands or appreciates, but that they connect with, you know. Yeah. Um, but one that. Most most adults would begrudgingly, at least, you know, they'd have to because well, it was true. So they, they had to acknowledge it's truth. Some of them would look at it. But, you know, something that that we just started saying with our kids after a while. And it was like, I suck, but Jesus loves me. Like, like just this reminder, like you need this attitude. And, and we would. You know, and, and that was just something we could easily remind them of all the time. Like, hey, just remember, you suck. You know, and like they knew the rest of it. Yep. Sometimes we added it and sometimes we left it hanging to mess with them more and have a laugh about it. But like that attitude needed to be there. And that 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 attitude is what we see throughout Paul's writings from himself. We yep. see that with with some of what Peter says and those things, you know, but yes. we see that attitude that Jesus tells us to have that we're that, that we are humble, that we need this, that we're like this tax collector. We're just throwing ourselves on the mercy of God. Because that's yeah. that's where we belong. That should be the posture of our entire lives. Is that right? We, you know, we can't do anything good apart from Jesus. Nothing, right, is what He tells us. You can't do anything without Me. You absolutely, completely need Me to do this stuff. And you know, the Pharisee doesn't believe that. The Pharisee right. believes he just needs a little help, maybe. And and yeah, I, I love your point. Like he he points out all the worst stuff. Like yeah, I'm better than the serial killers and the drug dealers and the terrorists. Thanks, man. I'm so glad that you're you're like we have this idea sometimes that God grades on a curve. Yes, we and do. He doesn't. Sorry, guys. He does not grade on a curve. All right. No. It's it's pass fail, and we all fail. Right. My my daughter has she has to take PE this year, which if you knew my daughter, is just comedy for the rest. Of <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's so hilarious. fun, and and she has block schedule, so she only has it every other day. And I can even I don't have to know her schedule because I can tell by the way she wakes up by how I mean she's never enthusiastic to get out of bed. Okay, it's it's not like we're super happy one day and super down. It's a matter of I'm down or like I'm really trying to hide underneath my bed so you don't make me get up. Like there's just a whole other level when it's when it's a B day and she has PE that day, right? Like she won't go. She doesn't like PE. Well. She has to go. She knows she has to go. She she doesn't really fight it. She gave up years ago. She's 15. She's learned that, no, dad's not going to give in on this thing. But they have this dumb rule. I had to skip her PE teacher at, at parent-teacher conference. Because one, you know what? It's PE. My kid still had like an A in your class because she she goes. She shows up. But they have to run the mile. Every, every Wednesday, this is what the PE, they go run a mile. So every other week she has she, block schedule. She doesn't always have it on Wednesday. So every other week they have to go run this mile test. They have to run a mile in 16 minutes, which is not a breakneck pace. Okay. No. Um, no. They're, they're running a lap in the time that Olympic people run the whole mile. Okay. Like this is not, but it's a complete pass fail. If you make it in 16 minutes, you get a hundred percent. If you don't make it in 16 minutes, you get a zero. There is no partial credit here. And this is the dumbest grading policy ever for APE class. 
Okay, because there was one week my, my daughter had a friend who has asthma. She did not bring her inhaler. She started having an asthma attack. So she walked with her, a couple of them. Walked with this girl, made sure she was okay. They didn't quite make it in 16 minutes. So my kid gets a zero on this stupid mile test, right? My child doesn't get zeros, okay? Bro, this is not no. me talking like I'm super <laughs> bothered by this. I mean, I don't like it, but it bothers her more than me. Like, that's who this kid is. That's who she's always been. It's going to yes. bother her way more than it is me that she has a non-perfect grade somewhere on her record. Um, so I'm like, what? why do you have a zero? Did you not run? She's like, oh, no, wait. So she explains it to me. And for this PE class, this is a stupid policy, right? Did my kid finish the mile? Did she make it all, all the laps she was supposed to? Yes, then give her some credit. Give her a 50% for all I care. Like, I don't, yes, she should be able to make it in 16 minutes, okay? Um, I can walk a mile in less than 16 minutes. Um, I have big, long legs. They move They move <laughs> decently, okay? She's got pretty long legs, too, remember. She does. She does. Um, <laughs> and, and she's made it every other time because her friend hasn't had any more asthma attacks, so we make it under 16, and we're fine. She still has the A. In PE class, that's a stupid grading policy. When we're talking about the holiness of God, that's the only grading policy possible. Like, you can't, you can't be mostly holy. <laughs> it's not a thing. <laughs> it's like in the Prince's Prize, yeah, mostly yeah. dead. Yeah, mostly dead. dead. Yeah, mostly dead doesn't work here. Yeah, you can't be mostly yeah. holy. You're either right. holy or you're not. You're right. either pure or you're not. And so we have to be all the way or not at all. God doesn't have this grading curve where he's like, well, you're better than those people. So I guess I'll let you in. And that's when we start basing righteousness on ourselves, we have the curve, we have the grades. When it's based on God, it's all or nothing. And that's that's who it's based on. Sorry, we can we can pray and think what we want. He's the one who's right at the end of the day. So right, yeah. Well, yeah. One of my one of my favorite authors, Brennan Manning, and 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 one of the things about Brennan Manning, I don't always agree with him. No, because he he comes at he comes at Jesus a little bit different than what I do, but he does make me think, and he has made me look at some things differently. But we're I, this was weird because I'm reading rereading one of his books because Abba, Abba, Father? Abba's child. Abba's child. Abba's child. Anyway, he says this about this passage. He makes a comment about the prayer of the Pharisee. He said that the prayer indicates two telltale flaws in the Pharisee. One, he is very conscious of his religiosity and his perceived holiness. I mean, he thinks he has arrived. And I tell people, when you find somebody who thinks they've spiritually arrived, here's what you do. You run from them as fast as you can, because we're we're never arriving, you know, and we should not be so focused on our religiosity. In fact, I don't think we ought to even have that. But it is not my holiness that I have made myself. I mean, Paul makes that very clear in 2 Corinthians 5.21, where he talks about that it was Jesus who the Father made guilty of our sins so that we could then take on his holiness at that point where we surrender our lives to him. But then the second point, he says, the second defect is related to the first. He despises others. I mean, this guy genuinely looks at other people who aren't in his little Pharisee group, and he says, you're no good. You know, it's like the story I heard years ago about this little boy in in, in uh, central L.A., who came to know Christ, a uh, missionary there, led him to Jesus. And 
this was the smallest kid in the in the area and the in the neighborhood. He was always picked upon. And one day, this this missionary is going past this this alley, and he he sees this little boy and two or three other kids. And these kids are bigger than him, and they are calling him all sorts of names, telling him how, you know, you're trash, you're junk. And he goes, "No, I'm not, because God doesn't make junk." And that is true. God made us worthy of a relationship with Him, but not because of us, because of Him. And that's what this Pharisee misses here. The other thing it reminded me of with this prayer and how he views himself is a song back in the 60s. I'm going to date myself. Uh, of course, everybody already knows I'm old. So Actually, okay. 60s makes you sound younger than you are, I think. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, well, I was, you know, I was like a teenager in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure. No, no, I wasn't born in the 60s. Oh, gosh, no. Um, but it, anyway, it's by the Kinks. It's called Well-Respected Man. And and basically, the, the chorus really caught my attention. It came on the, the radio. I listened to I listened to two radio stations. I listened to contemporary Christian one, and I listened to a 60s one. Oh, a third one I listened to the Beatles station, too. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the chorus says, he's oh so good. He's oh so fine. He's oh so healthy in his body and his mind. He's a well-respected man about town doing the best thing so conservatively. That's the Pharisee. He thinks he's good. He thinks he's fine. He thinks he's healthy, both in his body and his mind spiritually because he's so well-respected around town and because he does things of a conservative nature. And, you know, my response, and I mean, most of my friends are conservative Republicans. I'm cool with that. I'm a conservative non-Republican or Democrat. Um, I don't like political parties. But anyway, um, one of the things that has occurred to me, if we really believe in in biblical truth, biblical values, and we believe in in in, in being conservative in, in that sense, it ought to lead us to a liberalness about how we view other people and love them. If it if if our biblical beliefs leads us to where this Pharisee was, where he hated other people and and condemned them, I mean Jesus, I mean Paul says Romans a one, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And I don't have a right to condemn other people. Not my job. I'm not judge. I'm not Holy Spirit. I am disciple of Jesus. So my job is to manifest Jesus to the world. And Jesus loved people. When you look at who he called to be his disciples, when you look at who he reached out to in the culture, you know, and who accepted him. And and I mean, he ate with tax collectors and other sinners. He rubbed elbows with people, lepers and everybody else. And then we come along and we go, well, we're so good and the rest of the world is so evil. Apart from Jesus, this is what I tell people. There was a television series several years ago, House. It was about this very irreverent, (laughs) obnoxious, mean, prideful, arrogant man. Very smart, very accomplished, but totally a jerk. And I say, you see that guy? That's Joe Byers without Jesus. I mean, I know that. I, I know where I would be without Jesus. And this this Pharisee doesn't see any need. He's a, He is a blessing to God. He doesn't need God to bless him. He is so good. The tax collector says, man, I'm no good. I need God. And I think when we put ourselves in that position where we know we need God, and apart from God, we are nothing. We we You know, you said, you know, the mercy of God. That's all we have. The mercy and grace yeah. of God is all we've got. 
We don't have anything else. And the Pharisee didn't get that. He didn't think he needed grace or mercy. The tax collector did. And, you know, Jesus says, Matthew, uh, Matthew 9, 13, Mark 2, 7, that he came to call not the self-righteous, but sinners to repentance. If I don't identify myself with the sinner and I have no need of repentance, I can't identify myself with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that when, when Jesus tacks on a little bit in 14, you know, I tell you the truth, this man read the other went home justified before God. Like, where are we finding our justification? Where, right. are, we, where are we determining yes. where we're at? And you know the the tax collector the tax collector is justified before God because that's who he went to. That's right. He fell on God's mercy. The Pharisee is falling on the opinion of other people, of yeah. of, of religion. You know that, yeah. that I'm sure he's got a whole bunch of of friends that probably think he's really good. That he's got people that tell him that all the time. That his mama went down to you know the little, um, you know parent teacher conferences at the synagogue with the rabbis and the rabbis oh said great things about this kid and you know what that's great. You know, I, I get to go down to parent-teacher conferences and hear all about how smart my kids are a lot of the time. Uh, I got to do that, too. Yeah. <laughs> my parents didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's always nice to go to those things and hear how how good my kid is doing in their class grades-wise. But you know what? I can look at a sheet of paper. I, I don't even need the sheet of paper. I have it on my phone every single day. I love 2023. Uh, where I can tell, hey, uh, did you turn in this assignment? Because I can see it, whether you did or not. It's right here. I know what you did all the time. I don't have to even go to the teacher. Um, it's fantastic and crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm just glad my parents did not have that. <laughs> I, I'll get to that. I, I grew up at the perfect time with technology where we as students could use it, but they hadn't learned to turn it against us. All right. <laughs> They've completely turned technology against students these days. They, they can tell their parents their grades right away. When you go to college classes of 400 people, they can still take attendance now because they have devices to do this and you have to sign in and do this. And I'm like, if I had gotten an attendance grade in college, um, oh, oh. I'd have been in trouble in a lot of classes. I would have also gone to more of those if it had mattered, but <laughs> I'm getting sidetracked here, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I love hearing about their good grades, but what I love hearing more is when teachers tell me about how my kids treat other people. Yeah. That, oh, he's so helpful. Oh, they're so respectful. Oh, she's so good at, you know, when we have this kid over here, it, it's it's slowly progressed into now it actually sounds like teachers thinks my daughter's helpful. When she was younger, it just came out as bossy. Like they were just trying to politely tell us she was bossy until about fourth grade, third, fourth grade, it started shifting. And then it was like, no, she's actually kind of helpful. Like she's, she's getting better now. Um, that's kind of stuff matters. And this Pharisee, yes, he's using other people's opinions to justify who he is. That all these other people say I'm good. These other people say this about me and, and has all these religious measures to determine how good he is. And he's yeah. missing out on what really yeah. matters. Yeah. And and once yeah. we start doing that is when we start turning our nose up at those people and looking down on those people. And we're never, yeah. that's never who we're called. You know, Paul tells the Corinthians no. a, a verse well, way too overlooked by the church. Who am I to judge those outside the church? God will take care of that. Like, that is not my job. It is not my job as a believer in Jesus to be the moral police of the world, to go and tell everybody else, this right. is exactly what you're supposed to do because this is what Jesus said. So they don't know Jesus. Why would they do what Jesus says? This is like... Well, and, 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 and let's face it, 
without the Holy Spirit, they're not, they, they don't even, they're not capable not that they just don't know. They're incapable. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that would be like asking you, Jeremiah, your son, my grandson, who's in the sixth grade to, to do quantum physics or calculus or something like that. I think he's got the best shot. Doing no, that. you don't expect them. <laughs> well, he might, <laughs> uh, but I mean, that, he can't, he, he's not at that point mentally, to be able to do that. And people outside of Jesus can't follow Jesus because they don't know him and they don't have the Holy Spirit to empower them to do that. Yeah. When, when we as the church go out to the world and say, you need to do this because Jesus said so, that's basically the equivalent of trying to get kids to behave so that Santa Claus brings them presents. Okay. Like, yeah. like and I'm not talking little kids, like go to your like 17 year old and be like, if you don't listen up, you're getting coal in your stocking. Like, this is a ridiculous thing to tell this grown person who knows that Santa Claus is not real. And to those people that do not believe in Jesus, that don't know him yet, he's not real. That's we right. know he's real because we know right. him. We have a relationship right. with him. If they don't have that relationship yet, he's, he doesn't mean that to them. Right. It doesn't matter to them. Yeah. And, and Well, yeah. Well, you know, Luke 19.10, Jesus having lunch was Zacchaeus, which scandalized the town. Oh my gosh, he's having, you know, look at who he's having. With that guy. Yeah. And in verse 10, Jesus says that he, son of man, came to seek and save the lost. We don't save the lost by telling them what they need to do when they're incapable of doing it. We manifest, we show them, here's what it looks like to know Jesus. Here's what it looks like to follow Jesus and to obey Jesus. You know, I, I, I the devotion I wrote Sunday um, talks about Philip going to Nathaniel in John chapter one. Yeah. And, and he says to Nathaniel, I think we found the Messiah. He's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel looks at him. I'd love to see his facial expression. And he goes, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, Nazareth was had a horrible reputation. And Philip doesn't argue with him. He doesn't try to convince him. He just says, come and see. Come and see. Yeah. That's our invitation. But it's an invitation we give not just with our words, but with our lives. Here's, I, I'm a believer. In, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Come look and see what he is doing in my life. And if you don't like it, if you don't think that that's good enough, it's, if it's not something you want, then okay, but just come and check it out. I mean, I think of Philip in, in Acts going to the Ethiopian eunuch. He didn't try to convince him. He let the Ethiopian eunuch actually invite him and go, come up here and explain this to me. Um, and and, and I, I go to, to, to 1 John 1, 9 also, because if we think we don't have any sin, <laughs> then why did he put 1 John 1, 9 in the Bible, which says, if you confess your sins, and that's the key recognizing we've sinned and acknowledging it. And if we don't, then God wants to forgive us. But I mean, it's like if, 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 if I did something wrong and my parents come to me and say, now that you did this, we're willing to forgive you, but you have to admit it. And I go, no, I didn't do it. I, I don't know what you're talking about. It never worked, but um, I always said that. <laughs> no, no, it didn't. <laughs> um, no, it never worked. How can they forgive me of something I'm not willing to acknowledge? And, and that's Jesus. But then that next verse, 1 John 1, 10, 
says that if we say we have no sin, we make God a liar in his word. This Pharisee was made basically saying to God, you're wrong. I'm okay like I am. I'm good enough. I've worked hard. I've done it all. I'm doing it all. Look how good I am. I'm not like these guys. And everybody thinks I'm cool. So I must be okay. And the, the tax collector is going, I am. I'm, I have nothing. I just, I just want to come before you. And he was acknowledging his sin. He was acknowledging Romans 3.23, all of sin, and come short of the glory of God. All. That's a key word there. Not some of us, not those, you know, we've all sinned. And so really, you and I as believers, and if you're listening to this, you're a believer, you are a recovering sin. It's not that you've never sinned. It's just that God has, tr- has transformed you into a saint. And a saint is simply a person who is, because of their faith in Christ, going through that process we talked about months ago, that sanctification process being made more and more like Jesus. But it's a process, so we're in the process of recovery from sin. And when we don't acknowledge that and we think we've arrived and everybody else needs to catch up with us, yeah, that's that's not the place we want to be. No, I, you, you started at verse 9. Which makes us point verse eight there in first John is if we say we're without sin, we're deceiving ourselves yeah. and the truth is not yeah. you. like you're just lying to yourself. Yeah. If you don't think. um, How could I put this delicately? If you think your poop doesn't stink. Um, well, it's the, it's the PG version, right? Like if there you go. you're just lying to, to yourself, your mother would be proud. Um, Thanks. Thanks, mom. Um. <laughs> I figure other people listen. If it were just us talking, um, we might not use such PG ratings. Um, just to be honest with you guys, not that any of you are surprised by this who know either of us. But <laughs> yeah, if we if we get this attitude that we haven't done anything wrong and we don't need any help and we're all good, then then we're missing. Yeah. And and yeah. this is partially why we rank sins too, like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Make ourselves feel better. Because if I don't struggle with some particular sin, then I can be way harsher about it than other people. Um, Oh, yeah. So we make some sin. Oh, this is way worse. Oh, yeah. This this is just a terrible, this is just an abomination and atrocity. And yeah. Yeah. That's the one you don't struggle with. That's why you want to make a deal out of that one. Right. Well, my, my, your sin's always worse than my sin. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I remember, I remember the Bible study comparing gluttony with homosexuality, and I thought they were going to lynch me, you know, because this is a room full of evangelical Christians who, you know, we believe in Jesus and we have potlucks. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's face it. And and I'm like, guys, there's no level. We don't, God doesn't rank sin. Well, but that's what blasphemy. And you don't think ruining your body by overeating? I mean, it, it, hey, let's honestly, it talks more about gluttony in the Old Testament in the law than it does about homosexuality. It just does. So, yeah. That's well, true. And, well, and every time it talks about homosexuality, it just talks about sexual sin in general most of the time, too. It's yes. never just homosexuality. It's adultery. It's all this other stuff. And yet, well, and we, yeah, we don't and we treat don't. everything with the same level, no. even in no. that. No, we don't. So We don't. And, and and again, one of the pa- two of the passages that God brought me to mind as I was going through this, James 4, 6, 1 Peter 5, 5. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The thought of me being in opposition to God, to me, is a very scary position to be. And that's where that Pharisee was. And that's where we are 
if we don't acknowledge our sinfulness and the grace of God that saves us, and it's all about him and not us. We are in opposition to God. And when you're in opposition to God, you're going to lose. You're going to lose every time. And you don't want to find yourself in opposition to God. You want that grace because we need that grace. I look at this tax collector. Was was he ungodly and dishonest? Probably. I mean, doesn't mean necessarily that he was. But, I, you know, tax collectors in those days were notorious for being dishonest, you know. Did he recognize that? Yeah. And what was his response? Mercy, grace of God. That's that's what I'm coming for. The Pharisee looked at himself and said, you're good. You're wonderful. You're you're delightful. God just really delights that you're on his side. <laughs> and like you said, the tax collector went away justified, not the Pharisee. Why? Because God opposes the proud. You can't be justified. You're in opposition to God, but he gives grace to the humble. And I was re- I was reading something today that talked about God's grace given to people, even people who live ungodly lives. And I'm thinking, no, especially those who live ungodly lives. Yeah. And when we recognize that, and, and, and you're right, you know, a lot of times we put the emphasis on morality, where God is putting it on obedience. I mean, eating the, the, the fruit from the tree of good and evil was not a moral act on Eve's part or Adam's part. It was a disobedience to the command of God. And you say, well, why did God make that command? I don't know. He's God. He can do what he wants to. I'm not going to argue with him. Um, So I think a lot of times we've done a good job of producing very moral people within the church, but we're we're commanded to make disciples. And disciple is one who is under the authority of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think that's really the basis of the trade. Like you have to, you have, you have one decision to make. We really only have one decision to make. Are we going to live under the authority of God yeah. or are we going to live of our own righteousness? Like where are we going right. to find our righteousness from ourselves or God? Yeah. And yeah. Adam and Eve said, well, that sounds like fun. I don't know. I, I kind of like being in charge and, and no, um, I'd rather not be in charge. No, me too. No, I don't, no, I don't always make the best decisions. I've seen Bruce Almighty. I don't want to be. <laughs> that's, that's putting Jim Carrey in charge. That's a different question entirely. Um, but yeah, we, we have this idea that we can do this, that we're capable of this, that we're supposed to to be the top of the totem pole, the king of the hill, and and we're just not. We're yeah. we're supposed to die to ourselves. We're supposed to submit ourselves. We're supposed to be humble before this incredible God that we have, and yeah, that goes against our uh, our independent, self sufficient uh, tendencies. That um, especially uh, living in the freest country in the world, which is a great thing. But it also means that we think we're supposed to just be able to do whatever we want and be in charge all the time. And yeah. If you want to see how that kind of freedom eventually causes a mess, um, open your eyes, watch the news, look around. This is what happens when we're in charge and when we're when it's when it all comes back to my righteousness and my idea of what's right and what's wrong, and when I'm the source and the center of things. Um yeah. when I'm not under someone's authority, when I'm not humbled before God. Um, yeah. when, we're, when we're humbled before him, then he gets to make those decisions. And there's only one decision maker then. There's only one guy in charge, and it's not me. And, you know, every time I've obeyed God, I've never looked back and go, man, I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> right? Now, in the midst of getting to our mission land or our mission uh, destination this summer, 
there were some questions going through my mind. God, do you know what you're doing here? But after going and seeing how God used us and also how God taught us, no, I, I would I would do it again. I hope I don't say that out oh, loud. Sherman, I hope you're listening to the podcast. Oh, I um, well, I don't care about Sherman. God is. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, Holy Spirit likes to work through uh, people that bug us about things that we should go do. I know. Um, yes. And some of them are very persistent, Aunt Tammy. Um, <laughs> so that's fair seeing the tax collector. Be humble. Don't be... A, I, it always cracks me up that he's specific, like he's praying and he looks across the room or like that tax collector, like that part's just yeah. really felt justified calling out someone else for being bad in the room while you're, I just, that one's, that's a level I've never actually experienced someone praying in person. Um, literally pointing at someone across the room and saying, at least I'm better than that guy. Wow. Yeah. I've had nodding. He's experienced that one. That's, yeah. And I, it wasn't me. Okay. Let's, I, I, I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. No, it wasn't me. But I, I have been in a situation where, yeah, that, that's the, I mean, he, he didn't call the guy's name. Oh, well, see, I've, I've, but, been, I've been in places you could tell you were praying about this person over here and not in a, like in a, a superior way. I have, I have been around for those, but yeah. never quite this directly. I don't know. It was probably suddenly maybe, enough, maybe the person not. they were actually praying for didn't even get it. Like, man, I feel bad for whoever they're talking about. You well, and I don't, you know, I don't think this tax collector called it either because he was so focused on just calling, crying out to God. He didn't care what this Pharisee's praying. I want to know, know who else is in the room. I want to be the third guy that's just sitting there watching these two going, <laughs> "Man, this guy seems way better about this. I don't want to be like this guy. This sounds awful." Um, so that's Pharisee tax collector. Uh, we'll be back with a song next week in our rotation. So we will see you guys then. Okay, bye guys. 